Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today, yet again, we're talking about Star Trek, because on Thursday, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 started. So today, we are going to talk about that episode, some of the things that they did on that episode, and the predictions that I made that came true, with some more predictions about what I think is going to happen in the future. Don't worry. I'm not going to be going into spoiler territory without giving you warning, so if you haven't watched it yet, because if you, like me, forgot the date that it started, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll give you warning so that you can go watch the episode if that's a thing that you want to do before you get into the spoilers. Okay, some basics about the episode. The episode was titled Brother, and... Remember how I said that they were going to be rebooting the the Star Trek Discovery this season? Well, the reboot has landed. And they rebooted, and they rebooted hard. Hard. Um, Yeah, there's a lot more comedy in this. Like, if I could fault the episode for anything, it's that it was almost too funny that they kind of overcorrected, because... The over-seriousness of season one was a thing that a lot of people, including myself, commented on. This episode is not self-serious at all. If, if there's an opportunity for a joke, there is a joke. They even, and I hate to say this because, oh my goodness, Star Trek Discovery, stop ripping people off. They, they kind of rip off a joke from the Orville in the elevator with the Saurian. And, okay, it, it's not entirely the same joke that we get from the Orville, but come on, guys. that that's not, that's not cool, especially with the lawsuit going on over tardigrades, which, by the way, did get a mention in this episode. I didn't think they were going to do that. They did, so I th- that to me tells me that CBS is doubling down on the idea that they didn't steal that by mentioning it here. Overall, I think it was a very strong season two opener. And when, when I say it's a reboot, like, the show has two credits, kinda. Because we c- get kind of this, you know pre-credits moment where we're introduced to the characters, then I thought they went into a new credit sequence where it literally starts with Michael saying space, the final frontier. Yeah, literally. And I was like, oh, so these are the voyages of the starship discovery. No, it, it she goes off. It's actually a flashback about her, and Spock, and when she first came to Sarek's house, and she does a voiceover of that, and then we go into the credits, which they have the same music from last season, 
which is fine. I actually like the new theme song. They didn't make the same mistakes that they did with uh, Enterprise there. They did change the credits quite a bit, which I enjoyed because, you know, there were a lot of Klingon images in the credits because the last season dealt with the Klingons and the war with the Klingons. This is dealing with the Red Angel and all of that that we've seen from the trailers. So more of that kind of stuff and more Vulcan stuff is in the credits. It, it's it's fine. It works. I liked it. The special effects continue to be the thing that wows me the most about this show. I, I have seen theatrical movies that don't have as good special effects as Star Trek Discovery has had. And I, I just... I, I, I'm amazed that either they found a way to do this on a budget or that CBS is spending the money to make it happen. And either way, thank you. That, that, that's one of the things that I, I can't say anything negative about. The, the special effects are really good. And yeah. Um, let's see, anything else before we get into spoilers? Because that's going to be a problem, is a lot of the stuff I want to talk about is spoilery. I like Christopher Pike. Christopher Pike. Okay, actually, I'm, I've loaded up the IMDb page. I'm going to kind of go down what I can say non-spoilery character by character real quick because it really shows a lot of the stuff that they changed. Saru has a sense of humor now. And for me, I kind of felt that that was one of the biggest changes from season one. I, I liked Saru in season one. Season two, Saru has a sense of humor. And that was a little disarming at first, but it wasn't over the top. And we'll get to over the top in a minute. Okay, Paul Stamets, played by Anthony Rapp. Okay, remember how I said that they were just going to kind of ignore a lot of what happened last season and really reboot that? Yeah, they decided to ignore a lot of what happened last season and ignore that. So in the previously on, we do get to see his husband get killed. It is mentioned. Whatever happened to him at the end of season one is not touched on at all. If you remember, when we left him at the end of season one, if you watched that far, he was laying on the ground. His eyes had gone silver, kind of like from the episode where no man has gone before. And he was going to be rushed off to a medical facility for who knows how long. That's not mentioned at all. So you can either presume that that happened or that he just got better. Eh, one or the other. It's not mentioned at all. We, we see him very well. I'll talk about his character a bit more in spoilers because so, I, mm, okay. Tilly, Tilly is the comic relief character on Star Trek discovery. Just, just, Yeah. She was there for setups, for punchlines. She she was funny, but yeah, that's that's kind of the only reason that they had to bring her back. Um, yeah, Wilson Cruz was back in this episode. They actually reshot some footage of actual events that happened in season one with Wilson Cruz, but from a different angle. And yeah, he's still dead, though. 
Culber is still dead. Okay, Christopher Pike. Oh my goodness. I really like Arson Mount's portrayal of Christopher Pike. If you are a fan of the original series and you have watched both The Cage and The Menagerie, which are essentially the same thing with some intercuts and stuff between the two. If you've seen both or either of those episodes, you have a good feel for Christopher Pike. I think they wrote him in that kind of cavalier personality that we met from those episodes. They did a really good job. The actor who I was really nervous about because the Inhumans was terrible. Um, yeah, it's uh, he. I mean, he was the most interesting part of the Inhumans, though he didn't speak because he played Black Bolt in the Inhumans thing. Um, yeah, he. I, I like his character. I think he's going to be a very good captain. I don't want to see him in a wheelchair by the end of the season. Please don't do that. I know I don't have any say over these things, but I, I don't don't make the captain's chair the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom. Just please don't do that. Just let us get a captain and stick with it, whether it be Pike or any of the other characters. Somebody, just please, please don't do that. Um, but overall, I liked him. He worked really well. I liked his characterization. He's very different from Lorca. In fact, he takes a moment to tell us how different from Lorca he is. And he's funny. He's brash. He's everything that you kind of expect him to be if you've seen The Cage. James Frayn's Sarek is Sarek. He did a good job. Um, Mia Kirshner's Amanda Grayson was wonderful. Tignataro is now on the series playing Tignataro. Um, her character's name is Jet Reno. We will talk about her a lot more in spoilers. I really enjoyed that. They, okay, everything that they did in this episode was ticking off the checklist of everything that people complained about from last season. Oh, we're too serious, huh? Well, look how funny we can be. Oh, our episodes are slow and overly dramatic. This is going to be action sequence after action sequence after action sequence punctuated by humor. Ha, take that slow dramatic series comment. Okay. We don't take our gay audience seriously. Well, here's Anthony Rapp. Perfectly fine. And here's Tig Notaro. You guys love Tig, right? And we do, but that's not the, like, everything that they did just felt like a, th this was a response video. To, this was a comment response video. Yes, it sets up the season two. It sets up the mystery of season two, which I'm interested in. I think it's basically, it's fine. Hopefully it makes sense when we get there and it's not just going to be a mystery box episode, they really did set up a mystery box. I don't want it to be that. Oh, and the other thing is when we were all complaining that the bridge officers, did they even have names? Cause we didn't hear any of their names in season one. There's literally a roll call episode, a moment of the episode where he gets Captain Pike gets on the bridge and he's like, 
give me your names, but don't tell me your ranks because that doesn't matter here. And then they just go around the room and everybody introduces themselves. And then they're not important at all for the rest of the episode because that's how this show rolls. Hopefully that will change. Hopefully. But overall, I enjoyed it a lot. Did it feel more like Star Trek? Oh, it really did everything in its power to feel like Star Trek. We'll talk about that when we get to the spoilers section. Remember my little rhyme that I put forward? How much Trek could a Star Trek Trek if a Star Trek could Trek Trek? Yeah. Oh, it doubled down on its Star Trekiness with all of the Star Trekiness that it could Star Trek. Oh, wow. Oh, my. Yeah. Overall, if you checked out of season one and you didn't like season one, don't worry. None of that seems to matter. This this is uh, season one, mark three, by my count, because there's the original series that was made, and then they added more episodes to it, including the new pilot that they tacked on to it. So that, you know made season one the way season one was season two starts with a bang it was fun it was enjoyable it did feel more like star trek like you want a star trek show to feel like with a lot more humor and action adventure sequences so all, all in all i think it was a strong way to start the series i think it was a start, strong way to start the season it is definitely a reboot. Anybody who doesn't think that this is a reboot probably didn't watch season one because they they have changed some things in backstory, which we'll talk about in the spoilers in just a minute. But all in all, I, I have to say, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I was a little nervous going into it as to what they were going to do. I did like season one. Kinda, mostly, um, kind of in the way that I like various seasons of Enterprise, you know, that it, it worked in a way that I was okay with, but not entirely everything that I wanted. I don't know that this is going to bring Discovery into my favorite Star Trek series category and not put it in the, over in the box with Voyager and Enterprise, but it, it, yeah, it, it's not bad. It's, it, they did what they needed to do and what they could do in one episode to fix the series. As long as they don't stick with the overuse of humor that this episode had, they're on the right path. But only time will tell how long they stay on it. Okay, after we come back after the after the uh, word from our sponsor, we'll get into spoilers. And we're back. Okay, first of all, I want to apologize for my head today. There's a front that moved through and it's causing weird allergy things. At least I think they're allergy things. I don't know. They feel like allergy things and they are responding to allergy medication like allergy things. So I apologize for my voice. And if you hear me sniffle, I'm trying to cut out the sniffles. 
I'm definitely cutting out the sneezes, but I apologize for that. Okay, so spoiler warning. Everything from this point on will contain spoilers from episode one, Brother of Star Trek Discovery. If you don't want to be spoiled and you haven't watched the episode yet, go watch it. Um, it yeah, check your mailbox if you, have, if you are going to sign up because they're giving away a free month of... CBS All Access, that's how I signed up for it. I believe the promo code is like free streaming or something like that. Um, but we're stream free, something like that. Um, here, actually, let me look that up real quick for you. This is not a sponsored episode by them, but the promo code is free stream, one word, all caps, one month free. So if you're wanting to check it out, but you're worried about paying for it, there you go. One month free. Um, I, yeah, I did it the commercial free cause I didn't want to sit through the commercials, but first month is free. So you can try that promo code if you're wanting to check it out. Okay. So spoilers. Oh my. Okay. So the first big spoiler is I don't know how Michael Burnham's parents died. There's a weird line of dialogue in the reboot moment of the first, ep at the very beginning, in the first, oh, is this the new credits? No, this isn't the new credits, Space the Final Frontier, Michael Burnham over um, monologue, where Sarek and Amanda are talking. Sarek basically tells Amanda that she's bring he's bringing Michael into the house. Amanda asks what happened to her family. And Sarek says the unthinkable. Now, okay, you could, that could be in reference to what it was in season one, that her family were killed in a raid by the Klingons on the outposts that they were on. Um, that could be that. That could be something else. The fact that they were vague about it when Sarek is not a character who's usually vague, leads me to believe that they have opened up possibilities that something else actually happened. So we will see about that. Um, there's a bird right outside the window being very loud. So if you can hear that, enjoy. Um, so that that's different. Um, they also didn't mention at all the con the psychic connection between Sarek and Michael. So I don't know if that still exists or not. I'm going to I'm going to run off of the basic assumption that unless told otherwise, things from season one persist because you know that's how TV is supposed to work. So I'm going to assume that we get to see her meet Spock for the first time as a child. And again, the overuse of holograms comes in. Spock is not happy to see her. I will say that the house that we see is I don't remember actually seeing a lot of Spock's of, of Sarek's home in season one. It reminded me a lot of Sarek's home from the animated series. If you 
ever watched that. I'd definitely watch it. It's worth... The animation is terrible, but the stories are actually pretty good. Um, Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of the home that we got to see in the animated series. The major exception is, I'm assuming this is before he got the Salot. He seemed a little young to have gotten his pet Salot, so that wasn't there. But it really did remind me of his home from the animated series. So that was a neat homage. So basically, Michael and Spock did not get off to the best relationship. And I, I'm just going to go do my prediction right now. It's because, you know, eventually, eventually what we're going to find out is because they're not related, they had an affair and it ended badly. I'm just calling it now. They, 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 he stoked his foster sister and yeah, that, that caused the weird rift between them and they're going to probably hook up again this season. So yeah, that, that's my prediction. I hope I'm wrong, but the subtext, yeah, I, I don't see any other way around it. I think that's what they're setting up. So the basic premise of the show is that all of a sudden, you know, and we've seen, we saw this actually in the trailer, all of a sudden across the galaxy, seven points of red light went bing simultaneously and then disappeared except for one. And that's what they're going to find out about. I'm going to ignore the fact that that's not how light works, but okay, We're, we'll go with that. Um, mm, yeah, as far as mysteries go, I, I'm not, I, I, okay, two predictions there. This has something to do either with the progenitors or with the Iconians. A lot of people are saying the Iconians. I don't think it's the Iconians. I think it's the progenitors. I think we're going to find out that the Red Angel is the last of the progenitors. And yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything more to say about that. That's just, I'm calling it now. This is about the progenitors. If you don't know who they are in both the, well, actually I think in every ser series of Enterprise, they get a name drop at some, every, every every series of Star Trek, they got a name drop at least once. The progenitors are why so many races look human. So many species around the universe look human and also why they can interbreed. The progenitors shaped the evolution of life on various planets as well as seeded life on others. And that's why so many aliens either look human or are at least biologically compatible with humans so that they can have, you know, half and half offspring. So, yeah, there's a whole plot arc in, uh, I think it's season seven, it's season six or seven of uh, The Next Generation, where you find out that the progenitors left a secret code in the DNA of the all of the races and when you put it all together it gives a map to find them and that's where it's like the big reveal that this is what happened 
dot 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 okay it it's a weird episode and it's one that i often like to try to ignore but it's something that happened and the way that they're doing this especially because it starts with the story about the fir- the first person the person who created the milky way and how she threw ash up into the sky and it stayed there and that became the milky way and that one day when people are ready to understand this there would be a sign yeah so there's that i uh, one other thing that i just feel like i should mention is the abject denial that cybok exists so far yeah that that's we'll see if that persists i mean we know cybok is older than spock so maybe he's significantly older than spock because you know falcons can live for a really long time but yeah okay so spock's apparently had nightmares his entire life he's disappeared and run off to find what it is he's figured out what it is and that's the end of the episode where we get to hear the new spock's voice for the first time where he starts off with a fairly good fairly a competent uh imitation of leonard nimoy he then leaves basically a map with his ideas to what's going on and burnham's all like wow uh, so tig so much happened in this episode that they they crammed a lot of story in a very there's a lot of story okay so tig we get to meet tig tig is an engineer who is going to be interesting since she's joining the show i guess she's going to be the possible replacement for stamets because stamets has been offered a job working at the vulcan science academy because that's something they would definitely do. We'll hold that for another time. Um, hmm. So I guess we're going to see her and Stamets, you know, bang heads. Because reasons. I don't know. I enjoyed her character. I liked the way that he introduced her. I liked her little robot sidekick. I kind of hope we get to see her little robot sidekick more that, that was an interesting thing that they added she's she's tig nataro if you if you don't if you've ever seen tig's stand up it's basically her stand up were it a star trek character named jet reno which is <laughs> an over-the-top silly and at the same time if they hadn't named her jet reno we would all call her jet reno for reasons it works it was funny i liked her i'm curious to see what they're going to do with her i think that she's actually not joining the crew permanently because she's been marooned on this planet for i don't know 10 months i believe they said basically missing out the war and she saved all these people's lives dot 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 i don't think she's human i think she's been possessed by one of these things or is an approximation of one of these things or something or at least made a deal with them 
She doesn't know anything about the Red Flare. She's too convenient plot-wise to be at the right place at the right time and to know nothing. And so, and also to be able to, as an engineer, keep all these people safe and alive. That, like, she builds a guy an artificial heart and she's doing brain surgery when we first meet her. She knows something and we'll eventually find out what that is. But expect her to be intimately wrapped up in the plot. Okay, so Anthony Rapp and Paul Stamets. So when we meet Stamets, he only really has two scenes in the show. I feel like they actually wrote a couple others and they got cut for time. Possibly before they got filmed. The first time we meet him, he's all wistful and he's remembering Culper and how much he loves him. And he finally understands Suicide Opera, which I didn't need that. Uh, so apparently the opera that his husband loved, the Sopranos practiced their entire life to be able to perform. And when they hit the last high note of the aria, they plunge a dagger into their heart and die. Okay. I didn't, I didn't need any of that, that, that no, I, I no, no, I didn't need that at all. Um, He's very upset when we first meet him, and he's wanting to get away from the ghost of his dead husband, because everywhere he looks on the ship, he sees his dead husband, and he's going to leave and go to the Vulcan Science Academy and be a teacher there, because they would definitely let a human teach at the Vulcan Science Academy, and I'm not bitter about that at all. Then towards the end of the episode, when they need to capture a piece of the asteroid, that was in the epicenter of the big flash thingy that they're so fascinated by. He just shows up and he's fine. And he's kind of upset that they didn't, that Tilly didn't tell him that they were going to do this. And he's kind of old Stamets again. So that's a thing that happened. I really don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it's just, it's a thing that happened. It's literally a thing that happened. So I guess he's going to be fine. All in all, it was a good episode. It was very definitely a reboot where it's going to take at least one more episode for me to figure out what direction they're going with the reboot. Just because some of the characters like Stamets was written a little unevenly where he goes from mopey guy to kind of just him, his normal self. And I don't know, maybe that will play a part in the story going forward or... I don't know. He got over it in the meantime. I don't know. We shall see. I, I'm excited for season two. This was a strong way to start the season, even though I've kind of blathered on a bit about some of the weirder aspects of it. Definitely check it out if you're interested. I I think they're aiming in the right direction now. We'll see what it takes for them to get there. If you've enjoyed this episode and the app that you're listening on lets you rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do that. That helps me out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share me with more people. If you got a buck you can spare, I'm probably going to have to get a new microphone soon. So, it, you know, any help that you can do would be greatly appreciated. You can click the link in the show notes that says support on Anchor. If you don't have the money to support right now, that's fine. Or if you're not interested, that's fine. 
just if you think you know anybody who would like this series please share the episodes with them that helps out a lot um yeah if you want to find links to everything that i do go over to projectshadow.com um monday is going to be our star trek discovery day at least while the series is running the episodes go out on thursday we will probably be watching them either thursday or friday and this gives me a little bit of time to think about what i saw so i can talk about it without just having it be crazy until next time don't forget have the fun bye